0: This morning, you're going to witness a very rare event It's hardly ever happens. I'm going to take a one Sunday break from preaching through Romans and preach something different. I know, crazy, huh? I, I, I've just been reading the Bible, occasionally I do that outside of Romans, and as I was reading it, I was just blown away by something in God's Word that... I've got to stop Romans, and I have to tell you this. And when I tell it to you, you, you may not believe it's true, but it really is, and it's going to be pretty powerful, all right? So go ahead and turn to the book of John. In fact, go ahead and turn to John 14. John 14. If you can't find it, look in the table of contents. If you still can't find it, just look on someone next to you. They'll help you find it. John 14. John 14, 13, 15, 16, 17. It's traditionally called Jesus' upper room discourse or farewell discourse. It's basically his parting words to his disciples before he leaves this earth. And so he's telling them like some really important things he wants them to get before he's gone. And as I was reading this and rereading it, I I noticed something that Jesus said again and then he said it again, and then he said it again, and then he said it again. And I thought to myself, well, I just wonder if he wants his disciples to really get this and us to really get it. And I think that's the case. But it's going to be hard to believe once I read these things to you, when I'm done reading these passages, some of you will be so skeptical that this is actually true. But, uh, but I just want to tell you, Jesus said it. It's true. So here we go. You're not going to believe it. Here we go. Start with John 14 starting in verse 13. Make sure you see the words. These are, this is real. He really, he really said it. Jesus says, John fourteen thirteen. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, maybe that's just kind of a random comment. Surely he's not going to say that again, but he does. John 15. John 15, verse 7. I'm telling you he wants you to get this. John 15, 7. Here we go. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Hmm. Wow. And just in case you're not getting it, he says it again. John 15, verse 16. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And just for good measure, let's hear him say it again. John 16, chapter 16. He's still talking like that. Verse 23. John sixteen twenty three. He says, this is Jesus. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now... You have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Today concludes our six-week journey of what we've been calling at our church a season of expectation where we are waiting on the Lord we're waiting for him to work in our life. So I'm going to take your expectation and I'm going to just shoot it as high as I possibly can. And I'm going to make this bold statement. Are you ready for this? You should expect answers to your prayers. You should expect answers to your prayers. Jesus would have you expect answers to your prayers, so he wouldn't have said these things. And I want to make sure that I'm being really clear to you. It, It kind of goes like this. So many times that we will pray something, and 99 times out of 100, God does not answer your prayer the way you prayed it, right? And you think, well, you know, it's still good that I prayed. I had communion with God. That's still a good thing, right? Or, or maybe you pray something and, and, and God doesn't answer it the way you pray. And you, and you think to yourself, well, maybe God's going to answer it even better. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you praying something and God answering it the exact way that you prayed it. So I'm going to give you an awesome quote by a guy named R.A. Torrey, it with Moody, connected with Viola. He's with the Lord now, great quote, read it to you twice. This is what he says. The doctrine of prayer according to the Bible is that there are certain people who can pray in a certain way and who will get not merely some good thing or something just as good as what they ask or something even better than what they ask, but they will get the very thing that they ask for. I'm going to read it again. The doctrine of prayer according to the Bible is that there are certain people who can pray in a certain way and who will get not merely some good thing or something just as good as what they ask or something even better than what they ask, but they will get the very thing that they ask for. You should expect answers to your prayers. And what I'm hoping is this is starting to be generated among you right now. You're like, okay, your expectation is starting to to, to be rising right now. And, and some of you are like, well, let's just pray right now. I'm ready to go. Well, you know, hold off. At the end, we're going to have like, I, I, I made it easy for you. I have like five points on your bulletin where you can like put in prayer requests because you're ready to pray. But let, let's hold off. We'll get there in a second. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of explore this concept of expectant prayer this morning. We're going to see, okay, okay, what are the conditions here? Come on, what's the catch, right? There's got to be a catch to this. What are the conditions of expectant prayer? And then we're going to say, okay, then what's the goal of expectant prayer? And if God's not answering the way that I'm asking, well, what's the hindrance going on here? And then we'll just dive a little bit into the disappointment of unanswered prayer. We know how that feels like. And then we'll finish up with the joy of answer prayer. But I'm hoping you struggle with this. I'm hoping your faith just really gets really high this morning. And you'll go to your ethos community this week and just pray aggressively with boldness and expectancy. So let's go ahead and jump in with the condition of expected prayer. Pop back to John chapter 14. Let's read Jesus' words again, starting in verse 13. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, if I'm reading that right, it seems like there is a condition that when you pray to God, you are to ask in Jesus' name. This simply means all you have to do is pray a prayer, and at the very end, you have to say the magic formula, in Jesus' name, amen, and then God will answer it. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what it's talking about here. That's not. I mean, we think, is there some magic to that? No, 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 no. What it means is that you're praying in Jesus' name back in the ancient world. The name is connected so closely with the character of a person, right? And so you, you think about people that you may know in your mind and their character. You think about the character of Billy Graham, the character of uh, Hitler, or the character of Justin Bieber, Right? You just think of the people's character and who they are. Well, as you approach God, you're coming in line with the character of Jesus, what he's about, his authority, his power. And you're coming and you're approaching the Father, not on your own authority, not in your own name, in Jason's name. No, no, no. In Jesus' name, you approach the Father. That's the condition. But there's another condition. And I think this is the very, very, very important condition is that the prayer that you pray to God when you approach Him, in Jesus' name, it must be related to God's work and your life or God's work and the world. You see, if you ever watch TV anymore, you may see TV preachers. They love these passages because they will rip them out of context. And they're health and wealth teachers. And basically what they will say is that these verses teach us that we can ask for big houses, expensive cars, and hot dates. And when we pray this way, God will and must answer our prayers. That totally rips it out of context. Does it make sense with the context? The context is praying prayers in line with God's work in your life and the world. Don't just take these verses out of context. So let's see the context. In order to do that, look at the verse that comes before it. Look at John 14, verse 12. Don't ignore this. This verse will blow you away as well. Look what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoa, that's a crazy verse too, right? Jesus is saying, you believe in me, not just disciples, but any of you. You're going to do greater works than I have done. What does that mean? Well, that's a a little explanation here. When Jesus on this earth, if you know anything about Jesus, He healed people. He worked miracles. He showed compassion and humility and teaching. He made disciples and He lived a perfect life. And as He lived a perfect life, He eventually went to the cross. And on the cross, He's dying there in the place of sinners, people who are not perfect, people who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And on the cross, the Father poured out His wrath on Jesus. And Jesus was buried and then He rose again. And now He's at the right hand of the Father. And the gospel is anyone who wants to repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus, can be forgiven. But now that Jesus is in heaven, his followers are left here on this earth. And while we are left here on this earth, we are continuing his work. And Jesus says, you guys are going to do greater works than him. What does that mean? Well, it could mean greater in extent because the Great Commission has spread the gospel all around the world, but more likely it means greater in the sense of when they happened. You see, when Jesus worked miracles, it was before his death and resurrection. Revelation was not full or complete, but now we are on the other side of the cross and resurrection, and so as we operate in these great works of Christ, we do it with greater revelation of the full gospel. So either way you slice or dice it or understand that work, the word stands to be true you will do greater works than Jesus. How? Are you ready for this? Here it is. Through prayer. <laughs> it's in the context there, right? That's the context. That's it right there. He makes this greater work statement, and then he says, all right now, pray. Pray in Jesus' name. Ask God to do these great works for you. Pray. Remember years ago when people had these really cool or hokey bracelets that said WWJD? Remember that? Anybody still wearing those right now? I hope not. Anyway, I like the idea, right? Like, what would Jesus do, right? I kind of like that concept. Well, in the prayer context, let's go with WWJP, all right? What would Jesus pray? If he were here right now, what would he pray? Pray like that. Because now he's at the right hand of the Father and yet he still wants to work through his people and he wants his people to pray so he can work through them and his works will continue on this earth. And the Bible says that when you pray like this, God the Father's going to go, okay, here you go, okay, here you go, okay, here you go. Why? Because he wants this work to continue on this earth. It's not like God's holding out. He wants to answer these prayers. He wants the work to continue. So what kind of prayers are answered like that? Well, I think they kind of go like this. God, give me boldness in evangelism. Father, in Jesus' name, um, give me an open door to share the gospel. And if you need to work a miracle here or there, if you need to cut someone to the heart, bring conversion, you do it. Because only you can save people. Or uh, perhaps, Lord, I'm going on a mission trip. I need some money. Please bring it in so I can go and share the gospel. Or if you're staying here, like, Lord, give me some, some, some boldness to be generous with my money. Or our prayers like, God, uh, help me to minister to those who are suffering. Give me patience with those who need to be discipled. Or, Lord, help me lead my family. Help me to represent you at work. There's a lot of prayers you can pray in line with Jesus' word and the works of the kingdom that are still happening now. And you know what? When you pray them, you should expect that God is going to answer them the way that you prayed them. That's what Jesus is saying in line with his work and your life and the world. I know some of you are still doubtful, and you may think, well, there's no way God wants to do that, but I'm going to try to prove to you that he's doing it, and of course he's doing it for you and for your joy and all that, but God primarily answers your prayers for his glory. His glory is at stake right here. That's what Jesus says, the goal of expected prayer, glory, look at it, look at it. Verse 13 again, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Would you not agree that when Jesus was on this earth, He did crazy miracles, crazy compassion, love, would you not agree that Jesus brought the Father glory while He was on this earth? Yes, we all agree. But He still wants to bring the Father glory when you ask in His name right now. He's not... God's not holding out answering your prayers because he really wants to be glorified through answering your prayers in line with his work in your life and this world. He really does. And this, this, is a, this is a great transition to chapter 15 because I want to start praying like this. I don't know about you. I want to pray like this. Transition to chapter 15. More prayers like this. Verse 7 and 8. Once again, the glory of God. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So it's in the context of fruit bearing again. Good works in your life and in this world. That could be conversions of others. That could be love, joy, peace and patience being manifest in your life. The idea is we pray and these prayers are answered and what happens? The Father is glorified. I don't want to see a show of hands, but my guess is if you're here right now, if you're a believer, if you are, you would like to have more of your prayers answered. And so you want to know, okay, how can I pray more along these lines so my prayers will be answered? Well, the answer is is very clear in verse 7. Look at it again. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So if we abide in Jesus through uh, what prayer, faith, obedience, not perfectly, but if we abide in Him, and if His words abide in us, which means we're in the Word, we're memorizing the Word, we're thinking God's thoughts after Him. So if we're abiding in Jesus, we're abiding in His Word, it's it's permeating our lives, and then we pray to the Father, boom, answers. And the Father is glorified. Are you praying like that? Are you praying these big, God-centered, Bible-saturated prayers? Or, I, I mean, just hear what I'm saying here. I'm not going to dog on you too much. Or is most of your praying about God? Please help me pass this class. God, please help me buy a condo. God, please let my baby sleep through the night. Great prayers. If you ever had a baby who has not slept through the night. I'll drive you nuts. You have a hard class. You want to pass. You need to move somewhere. You need God to open a door. Not bad prayers. But too many times, we limit our prayers to just things like this when God's like, come on! You can pray some big stuff! Some... Movement in people's hearts and lives and conversions and you get showing compassion and love. There's great things I want to do through you. I mean, see, I'm mean, i not dogging those prayers. Keep praying those, but expand your prayers where the Word is so in you. It's like, man, I just want to pray some big prayers. And, and saying that those prayers will be answered in line with His will, and God will be glorified. I know you're still skeptical. I see you. Because some of you are praying. God's not answering. God's not doing what you're asking. And so now we're going to move into some of the hindrances of prayer. And I'm not saying for sure because I don't know your life. But uh, the number one hindrance of prayer is you. (laughs) Is you. You think that you can just pray whatever you want and God should answer it. And it doesn't matter how you live. And I'm going to say this. The way you live and the way you love is connected to whether God answers your prayer or not. The way you live and the way you love is connected to the way God answers your prayer. And I'm talking to men and women both, but in a moment here, I'm just going to be talking to men. So men, pay attention. The way you live, the way you love, is connected to whether God answers your prayer. Once again, let's stay within the context. John, John 15, verse 16. Look at verse 16. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, Jesus speaking again, but I chose you and pointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So far, so good. Nothing new there, right? A bit fruit bearing. You're like, yeah, I want to bear fruit, want to pray. Prayer, so far, so good. Nothing good. Oh, let's look at the context. Once again, verse 17. Had to bring this in. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Once again, the context here is fruit-bearing and love, so your praying and your receiving is not disconnected from your loving and your living. Don't just pray these big honking prayers to God. I'm such a man of faith when you're not loving other people. The Apostle John picks up on this later on when he says in 1 John 3, 22 and 23. It's a great verse to refer to later. But he says this in 1 John 3, 22 and 23. He says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Same thing we've been saying. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Do you see it? Underline it. Love one another. Just as he has commanded us. Answered prayer is connected with our faith in this verse. And our love for other people. And this is where we address the men. Because the Apostle Peter picked up on this as well. He said basically this. Men, you're not nice to your wives. God's not going to answer your prayer. Something like that. Let me read it to you. First Peter 3.7. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, if you're harsh with your wives, God's not going to answer your prayers. And I think that most of you, I know you, I'm, I, I know some of you are harsh. You are, but most of you are not harsh to your wives. You're not. But you know what you do? You basically ignore your wife, and you don't engage your wife. I mean, you're a good Christian and everything. You believe the Bible. You're like, yeah, I shouldn't be harsh with my wife. I'm just going to ignore her and not engage her. And the Bible's pretty clear that if you want to ignore and not engage your wife, then God will ignore your prayers and not engage with you on your prayers. Why? Because the way we live and the way we love is connected with our prayers. Don't play games with God. And I'm just going to stay on this subject for a moment. i will move on from the guys and I'm going to talk to all of us that if you think, well, God, why are you not answering our prayers? I mean, I, I know some of you are really mad at God right now because he's not answering your prayers. You were so mad at him. God, why won't you answer our prayers? You're more mad at God answering your prayers than you are mad about the habitual sin in your life. I mean, the Bible is very clear. In the Old Testament, Psalm sixty-six eighteen, 18, the psalmist says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So once again, you can be praying these big old honking prayers for God to move and you're ignoring this big old honking sin in your life. Some of you pray to I mean, you're just full of faith. Like, God, let me just lead 20 people to Christ and, and lead 20 Bible studies and give away 20% of my income all for your glory, God, when you should be praying, Lord, there is some stuff in my life that I have been ignoring. Bring me to brokenness and to repentance. Because the way you live and the way you love is connected with your prayers being answered. Not, I mean, I'm not talking about being perfect. But quit ignoring stuff. and Quit being harsh with people. It's connected with your prayers. First Peter adds to that. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Once again, we're not perfect. But if you're not walking with the Lord, you playing games. It's not going to hear and respond to your prayers. Now, this is difficult. This is difficult. Because I know some of you are not having your prayers answered. And right now you're thinking, oh, man, it's because of my Zen. And yet you can't put your finger on anything. You're like, I don't know. You're some mystery. And so I, th- I think it's very important to talk about the experience that we all have of this, this disappointment with unanswered prayer. We've all had it. We've prayed things. didn't happen. What are you doing, God? And you're disappointed, right? So we've got to talk about that. We can't, we can't ignore that. Because you, you have one person who prays, Lord, I can serve you better if I get married. Please let me get married. And they get married. And then another person prays basically the same prayer, and then God doesn't answer the prayer. Uh, this last week, I read uh, one woman said this way. She said, my hands are bloodied from banging on the door of heaven, asking for a husband. She's well into her 40s, and she's still not married. Why is God not answering that prayer? And for those of you who are involved in international adoption, you may kind of know the scene here. Uh, Recently, uh, Thousands of people have been praying for the country of Ethiopia because they were you know, kind of close to shutting down, no more adoptions. People were praying and fasting, Lord, keep it open. And boom, God kept it open. Praise God. But then many years ago, the same thing was happening for the country of Guatemala. Lord, keep it open. Let's, c- let's continue to love and adopt kids from there. And it's not possible. It's shut down. Like, oh God, what are you doing answering this prayer? Why don't you answer this prayer? And and so we have this disappointment, right? We have this disappointment. Why is he not answering my prayer? We try to process this, and it hurts us, and we don't know what to think. My favorite book next to the Bible, I've told you before, is Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. I'm trying to convince all of you to buy it. But in that book, there is a chapter on prayer. The best thing on prayer I've ever read. It's really short, big book, small chapter. And in there, he says that let's talk about processing unanswered prayer or a disappointment when prayers don't go your way. So I'm just going to share boom, 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 some quick things for you. Number one, processing unanswered prayer. Number one, well, maybe God's timing is not there. Maybe it's just not his timing. You have to wait. I mean, think about all the Jews for the centuries praying for the Messiah over and over and over again. Remember that? And one generation would come and go and go and go and come and go. And then finally the Messiah, Jesus, came at just the right time. So maybe it's God's timing issue in your life. Well, some of you, you're, you're just not quite sure what to pray for. You don't know what to pray for. What do you pray? I don't know what to pray for. And then we're, we're going to talk about that in Romans 8 when we get there. Third thing is, some of you are just simply not praying according to God's will. You ever read James chapter 4? And says, man, you're asking, but you're asking with selfish motives. You've got to check your motives. What you're asking for God right now, is it selfish? Is it it spend on your selfish issues? Number four, you're just not asking in faith. (laughs) Really, how many of you are praying and you're like, God, I know you're not going to do this, but I'm going to pray it anyway. But when I'm done, I know you're not going to do it. And that's not good, right? right? James says, and when you pray, don't doubt and the last one is that you're locked in on one solution when God has a better one. You know, the story of Joseph, who's mistreated by his brothers. Boy, what a mess being a slave, going over to Egypt, for great purposes in the end. But the process well, was, was brutal. And so maybe you don't need to be locked in on this one solution when God has a better one. Now, maybe that doesn't help you at all. Maybe you're thinking, man, that does not help me at all. I'm still disappointed. I think this will help you because this helps me. There are two people in the Bible. There's many actually, but here's two: two people in the Bible who had prayed one way, and the Father went another. And you can deal with this theologically the way you want. But the first person you may have heard of him uh, who prayed one way and God. With the other, his name is Jesus. Now, as he was suffering in the garden, he prayed one way, and then the Father went another. And how this works out theologically within the Trinity, we can talk about forever. But the great God-man in this humanity prayed that there, maybe there's another way. This is what he said. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. That's the cup of wrath that was coming. And then he switches gears. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know if you've ever been told before, when you pray, never say, your will be done. Because if you say, your will be done, then that that just cancels out the prayer. You ever heard that before? Uh, Well, Jesus did it, so you can do it too, all right? So when you pray, you can ask God for something, and it's okay to say, Lord, I'm not, your will be done, Father. It's okay. Okay. It's okay, disposition. It's not a faith killer. But we know these disappointments go in a different direction. There's another guy. Let me tell you about this guy. He prayed something, not just once, not just twice, but three times for pain and suffering to be removed in his life. It's, his name is the Apostle Paul. He had like a thorn in his flesh, which is, we don't know what that is. Something painful in his life. And so he, it went something like this. God, This hurts. Please take it away. He still has it. Okay, Father, take this thorn away. This is painful. Get rid of this. Still has it. Okay, Lord, please take this thorn away. Just get rid of it. One, two, three. No. God had another plan, and this is what God said to the Apostle Paul, Second Corinthians twelve nine. He said to me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. God sometimes in His sovereignty chooses to go another direction. He does. That's His choice. And I know some of you have been praying for something for a really long time, and I cannot be your God for you, but maybe, I don't know how this works, by the Holy Spirit, by your mind, I don't know, maybe, maybe, Time to turn your prayers in a different direction. Not sure, but maybe. And maybe over time as you pray the same things and it's not happening the way that you think it should happen, maybe God's bending your heart, bending your mind, bending your will more in the direction of the way he wants you to pray. Lastly, let's move into the joy, the joy of expectant prayer. God answers prayer. There is joy. Finish up with John 16, 23 and 24. It says, in that day... "'you will ask nothing of me. "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'whatever you ask of the Father in my name, "'he will give it to you. "'Till now you've not asked nothing in my name. "'Ask, and you receive, "'that your joy may be full.'" <laughs> now, it's not that the disciples never prayed to God before the Father. It's just that the things they now have been asking of Jesus, they are going to ask of the Father. And as they ask in Jesus' name, they'll receive it, and the joy will be full.'" And the access that the disciples have to the Father, you have the same access. And as you pray, God will answer your prayers. And it'll, it will make you feel with joy, like, wow, God really heard me. He responded to my life. And you'll also have joy because he actually gave you a gift. Some of you think that God wants to give you bad gifts. He doesn't love you. He's not a caring father. But just like a little kid would get a gift from his father, like, daddy can have some candy. Here's some candy. Daddy can have some toys. Here's some toys. We're, you know, we give them gifts. Kids get, yay, I'm so happy. Same thing with the Father. He's a good God. We ask Him. He gives us good gifts. We have joy. The book of Matthew says this in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? That's that's a bad dad. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Really bad dad. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? God's a good, good father. He wants to give us these things for his glory, right? Uh, two weeks ago, I was down in Florida, Gainesville, visiting our third church plant. Can you believe a church our size has planted three churches in the last four years? That's just a total miracle. And just like you'd have joy at the birth of a child or birth of a grandchild, I had so much joy in being down there with them at the birth of a new church. But before I got here 10 years ago, this church had been praying for years for church planting. Nothing. I got here. We kept praying for years more for church planning until they finally started happening. You know the joy we have. we have? A lot of joy in that. A lot of joy. And that's what God wants to give you in your answers to prayer joy that He's working your life for His glory and for your joy. So here we go again. You should expect answers to your prayers the way that you ask them. That should be the norm. Yes, there's exceptions. Yes, there are disappointments. But the norm should be, according to the Word of God, the way you pray should be answered. That's what Jesus is getting at. So you got your prayer list, back your bulletin. What are you going to do about it? Please do not listen to a sermon like this and go away and do nothing. If you crumble up that paper, that is like crumbling up your prayer life. It's like you're, not, you're disconnected from what we just talked about. It's like you've listened to the word and you forgot what it says, right? Don't do that. Let's go old school, make a prayer list. Those who are 50 and over, understand There's fifteen younger, not so much. But we want to make a prayer list. A prayer list is you put something down as a prayer request and when God answers it, you put the answer and you praise God. That's how it works, right? It's really complicated. Write down the request, when God answers it, write down the answer, praise God. And I want to encourage you, if you put five requests down, when God answers it, Add another one. Now, you can pray lots of stuff, but focus in on these five prayer requests. And I've just kind of got you jump started with a really scary prayer request. I dare you to pray it. (laughs) You see it on there? Lord, please open up a door for me to share the gospel this week and make me bold at least one time. I dare you to pray that. See what God does. Add some more. Over time, watch how God answers those prayers. Come show me two weeks from now, two months from now, a year from now. Say, look. God really answers prayer? I'm like, yeah, for sure. We studied that. That's what Jesus said. Do you believe it? And this morning, we kind of want to jumpstart you. We want to encourage you. um, If you have big prayer requests or small prayer requests or medium prayer requests, I don't know what size they are, but the elders and their wives are going to be available during the communion time to, to pray with you. To pray with you in faith you need healing we will anoint you with oil and pray for you to be healed but we want to believe wow god is really going to answer our prayer we're going to trust him your will be done and we're going to move in that direction why for our joy of course but also for his glory because his work is continuing on this earth through you let's pray Father, where we have doubts right now, I just ask that you would remove those. Where we have disappointments, may we take those to you. May we really believe that you want to answer the prayers the way we pray them in line with your word. And where we have sin that's habitual in our life, that's unrepentant, may we quit playing games with you and, and just confess now and move on. And if there's husbands in here that have been treating their wives harshly or, even worse, ignoring them, bring them to repentance. Whether it's secret sin, bring it out. May we just be open before you and honest before you and pray in faith expectantly as you are trying to tell us, Jesus. May we believe it. All for your glory. Amen.